0: those of you that I don't know, my name is Cody Wason, and I'm the lead pastor here. Happy 2019. There we go. We alive. Look at this. Okay, just a um, full disclosure, last service, at the beginning of the service, I was really pumped. First message of 2019, here we go, and I put my stuff down on this little, um, what's this called, music stand, and it fell apart, and it dumped, and it just it just... So we're off to a better start already. Way to go, 5.30. (laughs) Hey, uh, one thing I'd like to, one piece of business I'd like to get out of the way before we jump in tonight. If you were here, I don't know when it was, a couple months ago, um, I gave a message. And in that message, I talked about how um, I'm from Chicago and how near and dear a certain football team is to my heart. Um, The Chicago Bears are a big deal in my life for some reason, to my little heart. Uh, They're playing right now. Or maybe they're done by now. I don't know. They're in the playoffs. I love all of you that have come up to me and, and lied to me and joked about uh, how good or bad they did. Um, I love you so much. Just don't ever do it again. Uh, no, but it, in all seriousness, I had to tell my mom and my family and staff at about 2.30 that I was turning my phone off um, or on airplane mode, because I'm going to have, when I, when I get home tonight, about eight o'clock, I'm going to put the kids down, I'm going to turn on the recording, I'm going to see how they did, and depending on how they did, I'll either watch the whole thing or like ten minutes, and, and I'll turn on my phone, and I'll probably have about 150 text messages from friends back in Chicago, family, so I had to tell all of my friends and family, don't talk to me about the Bears, so no one shout out anything, and if you already came up to me, I love you, just don't ever do it again, um. That is how I was discipled in college. Some of us need that. Uh, hey, I love you. You're forgiven. Just don't ever do it again. That was a, that was a saying in the, the, the group of guys that I ran with. So um, be blessed by that. Uh, okay, well, hey, we're going to launch into 2019, turn of the year. We're starting fresh, fresh page. And we are launching into a series called We the Kingdom. And I am excited about it. You're going to hear all about it tonight. Before I go any further... Remember, I said I'm on airplane mode, but I saved something to a photo. So here we go. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to dive in. I'm going to preface this, what I'm about to read with this. Nothing about my message after this point will be at all remotely political. So rest assured, no one head for the doors. But I'm going to read this. Hopefully, you'll understand by the time we're done why in the world I'm reading this. Here we go. We, the people of the United States... In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. So now, regardless of how you feel about the Constitution or America, I'm not here to discuss that. Uh, I, uh, I, am a, I studied history in college. I don't know what it takes to be a history buff. I'm not there yet. I think you have to be a lot smarter than me. But um, I love history, and I love studying, it. and I studied the, the uh, beginnings and ends of a lot of nations, and a lot of kingdoms. And when you read a, a preamble like this, this is the opening statement for our Constitution, for uh, the rules and regulations that would govern this country. Uh, and when you start looking throughout history, most kingdoms, most Countries, most uh, nations have some sort of founding document. They have, (coughs) excuse me, some sort of, can someone give me a water? I'm like about to, I don't know what's going to happen if I don't get water, but it's not going to be good. (coughs) But when you look, when you look at nations and kingdoms around the world, most have this defining document or set of documents that the purpose of it is to state the intention of the nation, who they are, who they are not, what they're about, what they're not about. They're used to uh, tell the citizens of that nation what their rights are, how they're expected to to conduct themselves, and what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And so, oh, thank you, Chris. Now here's the awkward I have to take. Oh, yeah. That was perfect timing. Okay. So why do I bring all this up? Why do I bring up the the preamble of our Constitution and, and, and different kingdoms around the world? Well, when you look at the life of Jesus in the ministry of Jesus, just start in Matthew. It's the first gospel. There's 28 chapters in Matthew, and in my Bible, I counted 40 times the the term kingdom is used. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, or sometimes just kingdom. That's 40 times in 28 chapters in just one gospel that the term is used. It's a pretty big deal. And it begs the question, what is this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? What is this kingdom that he's proclaiming? And what is this kingdom that, that are, 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 if you're a believer in the room, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you call yourself a follower, that you would consider yourself a part of this kingdom? See, if I went around, a lot of us, we like to sing songs. We like to have sayings, Christianese, all this sort of stuff. Maybe you've heard about the kingdom. Consider yourself a part of it. But it begs the question, what defines the kingdom of God? What is it? And why does it matter so much to Jesus that he talks about it so much? In fact, after his baptism, and he's tempted in the wilderness by the enemy for 40 days, the next part of his story we read in Matthew is in chapter 4, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So Jesus he inaugurates His ministry. He begins His ministry by saying these words, Repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And here we have Jesus moving around the, Judea, the countryside of Judea, preaching this message that the kingdom is here. We're going to come back to why that was such a groundbreaking, worldview-crushing, crazy... We're going to come back in a few minutes to why that is the statement that would get Jesus killed. But in order to understand why it was so important to him, we have to understand the full biblical picture of the kingdom throughout the Bible, throughout the story of God and man. So we're going to go back to the beginning for just a few minutes. I'm going to rush us through, hopefully in a very uh, um, helpful way, the story of, of the Old Testament in a way that talks uh, about the kingdom. You all with me? All right. Feel free to make noise. Just not inappropriate noise. So, All right. That's an appropriate noise, Mercer. That's a good laugh. All right. Genesis 1. Don't throw that, that verse up there yet. So we'll, I'm going to summarize Genesis 1 for us. Genesis 1, the creation story. God is painted in the picture of creator, an author and, and supreme ruler of his creation. He, Out of nothing, he creates the earth. He creates everything in it. Not only does he create everything in it, but he brings beauty to the chaos. He establishes a garden. The creation story says God created the garden. He created uh, the, the the birds in the air, the, the um what what are in the sea, the fish, the fish in the sea, and the, the beasts that crawl on the ground. He created everything. And then the crowning jewel of his creation. See, God is all about sharing. He wanted to share his kingdom. As he created the kingdom that he would rule and reign, he wanted to share it with someone or something. And he chose us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them. And said, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, 27 verses into the book, into the story, God has partnered with humanity. He's created humanity and said, I want you to rule and reign with me. I've created a kingdom. I've established the boundary lines for my kingdom. I've created creatures. I've created everything you need to survive, and I want you to be the administrators of that kingdom. Rule over the earth. It's right from the beginning. We see God has established His kingdom, and He has given humanity a holy vocation, if you will. We have a job to do, and it's to partner with God in, in the administrating and in the, the, the ruling of His creation, of His kingdom. We are His royal cabinet, if you will, that He has invited to partner with Him. Now here's the deal. When, when, he, when you look and you think about the, the, the story of human history, and He's created humans, and He wants them to partner with Him to rule and reign, and He knows that he, that the, the earth is going to grow, and, and the species is going to grow. everything's going to start to move and, and, and grow, and there's going to be more humans. I mean, He said to fill the earth, and, and so... There's going to be decisions that have to be made. In the administrating of his kingdom, humans are going to have to know what to do. When certain problems arise, when tensions arise, how would they actually administrate? Okay, this is good. Just follow me here. So there's the famous passage. Well, I don't know. It might not be famous if you don't know it. So, uh, after the creation, God says, you can, have, you, can, you can roam anywhere, you can do anything, you can enjoy my kingdom, but there's one thing you can't do. You can't eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. So we oftentimes read that or think that and we're like, oh my gosh, like right from the get-go, God's like withholding from us. He's like holding back. He's already telling us things we can't do. Uh, okay, this is cool. But when you look at it through a fresh lens, what God is saying is, "Hey, hey, I created you. I created everything. This is my kingdom. I know what's best for you. I know what's right and wrong and good and evil. I know what's best for you and for my kingdom. Would you just trust me? Is it? An, would it be enough for you to trust that I know what's good for you? And of course, in that moment of human history." We take from the tree. And in that moment, we are basically telling God, thank you for your kingdom. We would like to decide for ourselves what's good and evil, what's right and wrong. Thank you for this amazing kingdom that you're letting us live in and you want us to rule over, but we will take it from here. We know what we'll decide for ourselves. We will define for ourselves what's right and wrong, what's good and evil um, there's a thing that's amazing, and it's called the Bible Project, um, and one of the founders of the Bible Project is a guy named Tim Mackey, is that Tim, oh, oh, Tim, are you here? Oh, no, it's Eli, okay, (laughs) that would have been awesome, just came over from Portland, like, hanging out, okay, so there's this thing called the Bible Project, Tim's not with us, but we love him, and, um, and I was listening to a message by, by Tim on, on this, and this is the phrase he used for this moment in human history is he says that God had, had established a kingdom and invited humanity to partner with him, and in this moment, there was a hostile takeover of the kingdom. Humanity had taken over the rule and reign and the administration of the kingdom. And the, the, the way that God had intended life to go, the way God had intended you and I to relate to one another, the things he had intended for us to experience was fractured as humanity chose to try to define for itself right and wrong, good and evil. And this would usher into us in, uh, in the story of human history, this would usher us into what uh, Bible authors uh, would, would refer to as the age of the world, the age of sin and darkness, the age of death. And that is the story as the Old Testament begins to unfold, and you step back and look, you have a kingdom and a king that had established how he wanted things to go, but in his love and grace and mercy and benevolence, he had given us free will, and we had fractured the kingdom, and now humanity was spiraling, trying to define for itself how it should live. And you see families and tribes becoming kingdoms, and everyone's defining for themselves, this is what's right and this is what's wrong, and this is how we deal with this issue, and this is how we do this, and kingdoms are rising and falling, and it's chaos. And, and the question Tim Mackey refers to, the cosmic question, what was God going to do about it? He had had a purpose. He had had a plan, and he had given us the opportunity to partner with him. We had chosen our own way, and we it, were just in chaos. And so he initiates a plan. He says, okay, there's nations forming. I'm going to call to myself a nation. I'm going to start with a family. The patriarch will be Abraham, and I will call his family out. And it will be, again, I don't know if this is like a seminary term or just a Tim Mackey term, uh, but he calls it just a contrast kingdom. And he says, I'm going to establish Uh, A people for myself that will live the way I had intended them to live from the beginning. And they will be a contrast to the way all these other kingdoms are rising and falling and these rulers and, and, and the power hungry and all the wickedness and all the weirdness and all the chaos of the earth. My people, I will set apart a contrast kingdom. That they would be whole, that they would know me, they would love me, they would obey me, they would trust me, and they would live according to the way I always wanted them to live. And the other kingdoms of the world would look at this kingdom and see the wholeness and see the prosperity and see that's what we've been missing. And the plan was that these, this, this contrast kingdom called the people of Israel or the people of God would, would, would influence the nations of the earth by living differently. By living according to the way God had always intended it. Now as I zoom through the Old Testament here, I'm sorry, but the phrase like you probably know or you've heard, but I don't know if you have. So I'm going to do my best. The story of the Old Testament is the story of the people of God failing over and over. They fail to obey Him. They fail to love Him. They fail to understand why the rules are the way that they are. They fail in, in to, to follow the way God has set up for them to follow. And they begin looking at these other kingdoms that are not following God at all, and they're rising, and they're growing in stature, and you have the, all these empires throughout history that are, that are gaining momentum, and they're so big and they're so strong that this little contrast kingdom that God has called to be set apart is actually being trampled upon and being defeated, and they're being put in slavery. And we have the famous story of them being enslaved in Egypt and and God steps through eternity and he asserts his, his, uh, his power, his will, and he forces the kingdom of Egypt to release his people and they still don't get it. They like love him and thank him for like a minute and then they're like, wait, we want a king. All these other kingdoms that are doing great have their own human kings. We want some of our own. And God tells them, "That's not the way. You weren't supposed I'm the king. You, you weren't actually designed, OK, OK, you want a king, I'll give you a king. It's not going to be the way you want it to be." And then we have the story of the kings of Israel, the kings of the people, rising and falling, rising and falling, becoming like many pharaohs in their own right, uh, and not doing what God has told them to do, not following, not loving, not knowing God. And the people of Israel are just in turmoil. And it comes to kind of a climax as as the prophets of the people are writing their prophecies, they're writing their promises, they're writing their poetry, and they're dreaming, and they're crying out, and they're worshiping, and they're saying, God is the God of our people. He's the God of the nations. He will establish His throne. Just put yourself in their, their shoes for a sec. You are a chosen people according to God. He's chosen you. He's called you uh, to be set apart, to live differently. And he's, He calls Himself your King and your God. And yet other nations are doing a lot better than you in your eye. They're flourishing. They're thriving. And you are sitting there day after day as you are amid, uh, under, in Jesus' time, under Roman occupation saying, when are you going to finally put an end to this? When are you going to come and say that's it? Enough's enough. I'm here to establish my kingdom. I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to have a throne and I will be the king of my people, and I will bring justice to the oppressed people of Israel and I will show the nations of the world what they've been missing, because I am their God of the nations and I know a better way. That's the cry of the Israel peop- the Israelites. And then we come to Matthew 4, and there's a 30-year-old carpenter's son who starts walking around the countryside of Judea, going into synagogues, synagogues, talking to Jews and saying, repent, the kingdom's here. That's a little interesting for you. Now, you, if you're still pretending to be um, a Jew. Uh, If you haven't been pretending, then I don't know. (laughs) Uh, but if you still if you if you are in that place, if you are one of the people that Jesus is talking to in this moment, you are you are ecstatic, you're confused, and you're hopeful. I'm going to get to see it. Finally, God is going to step in, and all these punk kingdoms that have been uh, ruling over us and putting us in slavery and 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 just conquering us, they're going to get what's coming to them. Because God's going to come, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and he's going to start kicking some butt. I know that's a (laughs) And then this is what happens. You hear, you catch wind that this this Jesus guy, this must be a prophet, he's going to be gathering tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon over on the hillside, and he's going to be preaching, and so you go. And you're ecstatic to hear about, find out, finally, when is this kingdom coming? And this is what you get. Matthew 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and, he, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I'll, I'll read this it's a different uh, translation. And Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Jesus doesn't speak of the plans to build a castle and a wall and an army. He speaks that the kingdom is is how you... He starts talking in these ways about it. The kingdom actually exists in how you live. In in the posture of your heart. And you get a little angry. Because you want an army. And in Luke chapter 17... Some of the the leaders of the Jewish, some of the religious uh, leaders of the day called Pharisees finally get to talk to Jesus about this. And this is what they say in uh, 17 verse 20. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that will be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And Jesus, once and for all, he tells the leaders of the people, it's not going to come in a building. The kingdom of God is not a building. It's not the Falls Event Center. It's not a church. It's in your midst, it's alive in the hearts and the minds of the people that call God their king. And guess what? He sent me to be flesh and bone king. He sent me to be the king. To to not just write you a preamble and a constitution and tell you how to live. That's done with. I'm here to model the kingdom. I'm here to show the kingdom this is what it means to be a member. It's not reciting or taking a test or getting an ID card. It's not a building or a program or denomination. It's the people of God submitted to the will of God manifesting the rule, reign, and authority of God. That's the kingdom. And where that is, the kingdom is. Paul, uh, The Apostle Paul would put it this way. There's a, a young church that was established in Rome after Jesus died and rose again. And uh, Paul's kind of their main guy. He planted it and he's, he's their pastor. And he, he's writing a letter because he's getting wind that the young church in Rome is a little confused and they're, they're, they're fighting amongst themselves and they're looking um, to one another and they're saying, listen, back in the Old Testament, there were certain things we could eat and there were certain things we could drink and there were certain things we couldn't eat and couldn't drink. So what does it mean now? Like if I eat that, that we used to not be able to eat, am I still okay? Am I still a part of the kingdom? And what if I don't want to eat it, but he feels okay with it? What's going on? And and Paul replies with this in Rome, uh, Rome. (laughs) He probably went to Rome. In Romans uh, 14, 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming, this kingdom that seemed to mean so much to him, that he was coming to us to reestablish and reassert, it's you and me. It's the people of God walking with God and living according to the standard of the kingdom. You and I are kingdom people. If you're in this room and you call yourself a follower or a disciple of Jesus, where you go, the kingdom goes. Now our kingdom is different. it's always been meant to be different. ever since the fracture that in humanity took it our own way, ever since then it's always been uh, it's always meant to look a little different. You look at different, I mean, it's really easy to just think about. I mean, look, like, I don't know how many of you traveled internationally. Nations and kingdoms look different. They have different rules, cultures, different DNA. You know, we, we drive around Salt Lake. Every once in a while you see a bumper sticker on the back of a car, not of this world. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm a part of a different kingdom. And if you're in the room and you have that, praise God. It's like a little bit of a, like a, yeah, cliche, I'm not of this world, I'm a part of a different kingdom, a part of a different kingdom. Our kingdom was meant to do things a little differently. We're meant to think about life a little differently. We're, about, we're meant to do life a little differently. I'm not talking about, uh, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're meant to be weird, socially inept, different people that don't know how to interact with people or talk to people. We're just those weird bumper sticker loving people that don't know how to interact in a normal, functional way. Now what I mean is we 're called to look at life we're called to look at our relationships a little differently. We're called to look at our marriages a little differently. We're called to look at, at, at our friendships, our relationships uh, about God and worship and we're, we're meant to look at uh, sex differently we're, we're called to look at money differently we're called to look at the way we do life a little different than the world because God from from the moment that this kingdom and this planet was was initiated and inaugurated, he had a better way. As kingdom people, we have to know that he, when, and believe there's a better way. I was listening to a, um, to a Matt Chandler sermon. He's a, he's a preacher um, in America. <laughs> and um, some of you like him, some of you don't, and some of you have never heard of him. That's great. Um, he had a message in 2007. Twelve years ago, he gave a message on Matthew 5.13. It's a, it's a real famous passage. We have it up on the screen, the beginning of it. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled upon. And the heart of his message was this. We as believers, we as kingdom people, we're called to be salt. In the way that we live, it being different, we're called to display the glory and the heart of God to a world that needs it. In the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we respond, but we've lost something along the way. We've lost our saltiness in a lot of areas because we've settled. As a a big C church in America, a lot of times we've settled for information instead of information that leads to action, that leads to transformation, so what we have is a church full of people that love God, but the way they live doesn't look like it. We have a church full of people that want breakthrough. How many of you guys, now I learned this last, um, in the last service, apparently the, the term New Year's resolutions is out. I am not that old, but man, I feel it. So apparently the new thing is goals. I was told that the new thing is we don't have New Year's resolutions anymore, we have New Year's goals. And I'll have to figure out why resolutions is such a bad thing. Anybody have in the room any New Year's goals or resolutions? All right. I kid you not. I asked that in the last service. Four people raised their hand. America changed, and I didn't know it. We don't do it anymore. I thought that was a thing. (laughs) But when you start a new year, when you turn the page, you look at something fresh. We all have things we're believing for. Go around this room. You don't even have to be a believer. You got things you want to see this year. You want relationships that you want more healing and whole. You want more breakthrough in different areas of life. You want you know, whether it's financial breakthrough or relational breakthrough or physical healing. You want uh, to be. A, uh, you want to walk in more purity. You want to walk in more peace. You want to see an end to the sin struggles that feel like they weigh you down day after day. You we as a we, we want so much. We want the fruit of the king and the kingdom, but we're not willing to live like it. We as a people have settled for information. We know the verses. We know that God calls us to live in a pure way. We know that God has more for us, and we can quote it to people, but we walk around and we don't live it. And so we, we're hurting ourselves. We don't have, we're, we're choosing not to walk in the fruit of the kingdom, and it's hurting us, and it's hurting the world. The world looks at the church. Why in the world would we want to be a part of anything you guys are doing over there in the church? You claim to have answers. You claim to love this Jesus guy that he can help. Your life looks no different than mine. You struggle with the exact same things I'm struggling with. You respond the same way I respond. You're in the same sin cycles I'm in. You are claiming that this Jesus guy can help, but your life doesn't reflect it. We've lost our saltiness. The church in America has become a, 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 you know, a punchline. It's a joke. And we've earned it. We've earned it. Matt Chandler says at the end of that message that like, there'll be TV shows or movies where they start to just rip on the church. And his wife's always like, oh, let's turn it. And he's like, no, no, we earned this. We earned the reputation of people that talk a big game, but we don't respond. We don't live it out. Our life doesn't look different. We don't have the power to walk in freedom. And we're trying to tell other people they need to come be a part of our social programs, but it's not doing anyone any good. We're meant to live differently. The world needs salt. The world, I, I, I got convicted of this uh, as Kate and I began to pray through, as we moved from 2018 to 2019, just where in our life, where in our marriage, where in our parenting do we need to re-up and look a little bit more like the kingdom. And I just got convicted that I I, I just, you know, you move out here to Salt Lake to plant a church, you love people, you want as many, I want as many people to encounter Jesus. Not for a religious sake, but because I encountered Jesus. When I was 18 years old and my life has been changed and transformed forever, that's the reason I get up here and preach. It's the reason I, I want to follow Jesus with everything I have. Because I've been transformed, and of course, I want every human possible to encounter that, that love and that transformation. But I think there's a fine line between saying, we want to love people well and we want to be salt. We want to love people well, we want to be kingdom people. At least in my own heart, I, I, I was like God was just touching on those little places in my heart. You say you want to love people and reach people, the best way to do that is to be kingdom. You're, by, by doing both, by, by straddling the line of kingdom, by saying, well, I, I'm going to be a part of the kingdom of the world. I want to I, I love them. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to say anything that anyone wouldn't like. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to follow me on, follow, on Instagram. I want everyone to, like, love me as a human, uh, but I also am a part of the kingdom, and I believe God wants to transform people's lives. I have to pick, Like, like if I really want people to encounter Jesus, the best way to do that is to be salt. People need to, to, to hear Jesus in the way I talk, to see him in the way I act. They need to see the way I respond to my wife in public and say, that's a little different. They need to see the way I go pick up my kid from school and the way I treat her. That's a little different. They need to see the way I honor the person in the gas station who who is is being belligerent and and angry. This happened the other day. Like, just, I thought it was going to be on CNN. Like, just a a person, like, the Lord loves them. Um, I didn't like him in that moment. How am I going to respond? Am I going to respond like everyone else? Hey, that's, you you, you cut me off. Yeah, you need to get to the back. I'm going to, let's go throw punches outside. I'll teach you a lesson. That would have been very appropriate in the world. They need to see something different. How we handle our dating. They need to see something different. Oh, yeah, God, like, loves you. God's got a, a heart of purity for you, um, but just don't look at the way I do my relationship. Because it's, it's not there, but you should do it that way. It just doesn't work. We as, a king, we as kingdom people have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, God, I want to love you more. I want to know you more. This is my heart for all of us in 2019, that we would fall more in love with Jesus than ever before, that we would know him and follow him and love him, and that we would realign our hearts and our minds and our actions to be kingdom people, to say, God, you're the king. I choose a different way than Adam and Eve. I, I choose to say, you know what's best. This whole thing, being a kingdom person, is about relying on relationship with Jesus. Check this out. This is, this is going to maybe blow your mind. So if Adam and Eve had obeyed and responded rightly, they would have never eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? Which means you and I were never meant to know what was right and wrong. You and I were never meant to know what was right, wrong, good, and evil. We were meant to rely on our relationship with God. We were meant to, to ask Him every step of the way. Hey, I don't know what's right in it. You, is this right? No? Okay, I'll do this. Hey, I don't know how to handle it. What's right? I'll go this way. We were never designed to define for ourselves right and wrong. And create a moral compass on our mind. We were meant to be in such relationship with our King that we could just rely on him and trust him. Crazy thought? Maybe just me. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. Here's my heart for us in 2019. My heart is that this wouldn't be a heavy message, that this wouldn't you wouldn't feel no condemnation. But there'd be, just like I had in my moment with Jesus, just a, a re-upping and saying, Jesus, I, I, I love you. I don't want to miss out on the fruit of the kingdom by pretending to love the king or pretending to love the kingdom. I want to be all in. Make me a kingdom person. What does that mean? Uh, we're going to talk about it the next eight, nine weeks. We're going to go into what does it mean to be a kingdom person? What are the core principles and DNA? Uh, what, what do kingdom people do? And how do they behave? How do they think? I'll give you a hint. Next week, we're talking about walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit. As kingdom people. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. All right, how much time do I have left? Oh, wow. So I, wanna, I just want to wrap up this way. You and I were meant to live differently. The kingdom's supposed to look different. And this year, my, my heart and challenge and prayer for all of us is that We would meet with Jesus, that we would fall more in love with him. We would know our king and that we would raise the standard in our own life, not out of a judgmental way, not out of a religious way, not out of a way of, I'm going to do this better than anyone else in the room, but of a heart that says, God, you designed a kingdom. You designed a way I should live. I want to follow it. Help me to be a kingdom man or woman. Where Where in my life is my life looking more like the kingdom of the world than the kingdom of God? Where do I need to say yes to some things and no to some things so that I can be more kingdom minded? All right. I'm excited for where we're going this year. I'm excited for what God has for us. And I'm just, I'm a pastor at the core of my being. So I'm just, I'm throwing that out there once again. If you did not, if you felt condemned or unloved by anything I said, come talk to me. Because this was meant to be. Conviction and challenge, not condemnation. That we, as a church, are being invited to do more with Jesus. We're being invited to love Jesus more each and every day, and we're being invited to let our lives reflect His way each and every day. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to wrap up like I do every time. If you're in this room tonight, and you're not, a, and you're hearing this idea of being a part of the kingdom, loving Jesus, knowing Him, and you don't know Him. I want to make the opportunity uh, that you could know him. Here's the great thing. Humans have messed this up throughout history so bad. It's really simple. God has said from the beginning, I just want relationship with you. I want to know your heart. It's not about all these, uh, it's not like me loving you and being in relationship with you. You don't have to earn it. Actually, you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You just got to choose me and love me. And believe I am who I said I am. The Bible says if you can uh, believe in your heart and believe it so much that you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is. That he's the king. That that statement is what got him killed. He didn't get killed for saying, love your neighbor. He got killed because he asserted that the kingdom was here and it was in the flesh and he was the king. And people got threatened. And they hung him up on a tree. That he is the king. That he died and rose again and made a way that you and I might not only have life eternal, but life abundant in this life. We've messed it up so much as people. We put so many parameters on it. We give you this amazing message about this Jesus that loves you and died for you. And then we tell you, have got to act different, look different, talk different, just to be known and loved by him. You don't. He loves you right where you're at. He wants you right where you're at. And then begins the lifelong journey of looking more and more like a kingdom person. So if you want to bow your heads, I'm going to pray. He's been about your heart since day one, not about anything else. So you can pray with me. You can um, make it your own words. You can say it out loud in your heart. Just join me in prayer. Jesus, we love you. You are the king. Lord, I've, I've tried to do it my own way. I've tried to be king and lord of my own life, and it just doesn't work. I have questions I don't understand at all, but I choose You. I give You my life. Would You be Lord and King? I believe You are who You say You are. I love You, Jesus. Amen.